Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. Songsters sang about uh, blessed assurance and what a blessing it is to know that um, our lives are safe in the hands of God, that uh, though this world and Satan may throw a lot of things against us, that we have an assurance, we have a confidence that um, God is greater than anything Satan or this world can bring our way. Psalm 16, verses 1 through 11 says, Keep me safe, O God. 
for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the name of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. We're going to sing a song, a song of of faith and trust. First verse says, When you feel weakest, dangers surround, subtle temptations, troubles abound, nothing seems hopeful, nothing seems glad, all is despairing, everything's sad. Man, that would be a depressing verse if it weren't for the chorus, which talks about our faith. Just keep on believing Jesus is near. Let's um, let's stand together as we sing. you could testify about that this morning, couldn't you? How you've kept on believing how God has seen you through. God is good and he is faithful. If we can bring that third verse up, we'll read that together and then we'll sing the fourth. Let's read it together. God is your wisdom. God is your might. God's ever near you, guiding aright. He understands you, knows all you need. Trusting in him, you'll surely succeed. Amen. Let's sing the fourth verse. 
Sunday evening and the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Then Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. After saying this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy at seeing the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them. receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. Unless I see the scars of the nails in his hands, and put my finger on those scars, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were together again indoors, and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Then reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop your doubting and believe. My Lord and my God. Do you believe because you see me? How happy are those who believe without seeing me? In his disciples' presence, Jesus performed many other miracles which are not written down in this book. 
But these have been written in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through your faith in him, you may have life. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Let's sing the fourth and fifth.
Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. just have to say, you know, when I was watching that video scripture, you know, you always have those like aha moments. And, you know, it's just so cool that we have the technology we have because it brings to life. And that one part where he said, you know, Jesus breathed on them. You know, I mean, you read it and it's like he breathed on them. Okay, big deal. But when in the video, he breathed on them. And I just thought that was cool. Not part of my message. Just a thought I had. (laughs) That was just one of those things like, that is so cool. Anyhow, imagine with me. This is just a story. It's not true. Pretend. Let me tell you a story of a family of mice who live in the bottom of a piano. Oh, aren't they cute? 
In their piano world, music fills all the dark spaces with sound and harmony. They draw comfort and wonder from the thought that there was some unseen master musician who made the music. Though he was invisible to them, yet he was close to them and his music surrounded them and filled them with joy. They loved to think of the great player whom they could not see. Then, one day, a daring mouse climbed higher up in the piano. He returned deep in thought. After a few hours, he told the others that he had found out that the music was um, how the music was made. Wires were the secret, he told them. They are tightly stretched wires of graduated lengths which trembled and vibrated. We must revise our old beliefs, he told them. We can no longer believe in the unseen player. Not everyone was convinced, but it did make more sense than believing in an unseen musician. Later, another adventurous mouse, he climbed up higher into the piano, and he came back with a further explanation. Hammers. Hammers were now the secret. Um, numbers of hammers, and they were dancing and leaping along the wires. This was a more complicated theory, but it all went to show that they lived in a purely mechanical and mathematical world. Soon, the unseen player came to be thought of as a myth from the past when they were less enlightened. Yet all the while, the unseen pianist continued to play. Isn't that true, that some of the most real things in life are invisible, unseen, things like gravity, the wind, love? All these things we believe in because we see their effects, but we really can't see them. After Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to his disciples, but Thomas, one of the disciples, wasn't there. John 20, verses 24 and 25 Record it this way. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said, Unless I see his hands and the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. It's easy to get down on Thomas, but why should he believe? something as crazy as the idea of a dead man that had come back to life. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. A.W. Towser has written, At the root of the Christian life lies belief in the invisible. The object of the Christian's faith is unseen reality. 1 Peter 1, 8-9 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. The first part of the eighth verse says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Peter was the author of this letter, and he had seen Jesus. He had lived with him day and night for three years. In fact, in Acts 3, verses 14 and 15, Peter confronts the Jewish leaders and tells them, You rejected his holy, righteous one, and instead demand 
demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him to life. And we are witnesses of this fact. But Peter also knew that most people had never seen Jesus in the flesh and probably wouldn't. Here is the miracle of faith. Though we have not seen Christ, we love him. Not seeing, we love him. But there is one thing about love. It's not content to lie dormant. Love calls for expression. It yearns to be made known. According to legend, the Valentine takes its name from a young Christian who once lived in ancient Rome. Like so many of the early Christians, Valentine had been imprisoned because of his faith. Often and longingly, he thought of his loved ones, and he wanted to assure them of his well-being and of his love. Just outside a cell window grew a cluster of violets, and he picked some of the heart-shaped leaves and then pierced them to spell the words, Remember your Valentine, and then he sent them off by a friendly dove. On the next day, and the next, he sent more messages that simply said, I love you. Thus the Valentine had its beginning. On Valentine's Day, millions of people expressed their love by sending Valentines. You see, love wants to express itself, and Hallmark wants to help us. In the second half of verse 8, Peter goes on to write, Though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. The natural outworking of our love for Jesus and our faith in him is worship. Peter describes it as rejoicing with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Does that describe your worship? Okay, now I'm looking around. Has anybody fallen asleep yet? Yep, okay. I see some not. Oh, no. Okay. It looks like everybody's awake. That's a good start. Now, we aren't all expressive in the same way. We can't be a major Henry Temple, can we? But we can express our faith by rejoicing and investing ourselves in worship. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul speaks eloquently of this source of our worship when he writes, For God, who said, Let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Not seen, we love him. Not seen, we worship him. So we love and worship a God that we cannot see, like the mice in that old piano, and the more skeptical among us are apt to question this blind faith. It's understandable. We've all struggled with this aspect of our faith at one time or another. We can point the finger at Thomas, but we must remember, as our moms are usually saying, if you point one finger, there's how many pointing back at you? Well, I think that if we're honest, we too have struggled and may still struggle by not struggle with not seeing yet believing. Yet God requires us to come to him in faith. He further expects us to live by that same faith. I want you to know this morning that it isn't some exercise in futility. There's not some game that God is playing with us, like Simon says, where we have to do arbitrary things just because God says so. God actually has a purpose 
and an object in all of this, and it's very good news. In Peter, 1 Peter chapter 9, chapter 1, verse 9, this tells us that loving and worshiping this unseen God has a wonderful outcome. Here's what verse 9 says. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Not seeing, you are saved. Helen Keller, she was blind most of her life, said that it gives me a deep, comforting sense that things seen are temporal and things unseen are eternal. Helen was referring to 2 Corinthians 4.18, where it says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So, not seen, we love him. Not seen, we worship him. And not seeing him, we are saved. Those mice struggled with the idea of an unseen musician, and they sought to explain away using science. Many in our modern world attempt to do the same thing. Thomas had trouble believing that Christ had risen. He had to see for himself. Thomas had a crisis of faith. And this is understandable, but such crises must be resolved for our faith to grow. Later in John chapter 20, Jesus appears to Thomas, and here's what happened. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see me and yet believed. I hope that you are counted among the blessed this morning who believe without seeing. Peter commended believers of his day for their joyous faith, though they had never seen the Lord Jesus Christ, and told them that this faith would save them. It's no different today. Our salvation is a matter of not in, of is a matter of faith, not in what we've seen, but in the one who is unseen and who will reward our, un- our faithfulness. Philip Yancey observed, We human beings ex- instinctively regard the seen world as the real world and the unseen world as the unreal world. But the Bible calls for almost the opposite. Through faith, the unseen world increasingly takes shape as the real world and sets the course for how we live in the seen world. We are saved by faith, and 2 Corinthians 5, 7 instructs us, we live by faith, not by sight. It requires faith to believe in what is unseen, yet we do this every day in many ways. God has made faith the essential requirement for our salvation. Many try to find God intellectually, philosophically, experientially, and scientifically. And while we can learn of him in these ways, we are saved only by faith. Do you believe in this unseen God? Does your daily living reflect the reality of his unseen presence? If this is a struggle for you, then you know that you're not alone. Faith always involves a struggle because faith asks you to trust things you can't see and sometimes things that you can't prove. Like Thomas, I ask you to bring your struggle to Christ and ask him to help you to walk by faith.
not by sight. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for faith, whether it be blind or not, but for faith. And and I can't help but be reminded of um, the faith that so many here have and, and the faith that we've put into praying for our fellow believers and the answers to those prayers that we've seen. And in seeing them, how much more we need to believe and trust and know that um, we sometimes ask so little. And if our faith was larger and we asked for more, how much more we could accomplish and um, share and witness for you. So, Lord, I just pray that um, you continue to give us that faith this week to step out and to share your love. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's um, stand for our benediction. I hope this morning that you are trusting Jesus and um, can testify that you find him faithful. He will never abandon us. He will never forsake us. Let's pray. Father, it is a privilege to trust you because, Lord, you have proven yourself over and over again. You have done miraculous things in our midst. Lord, we read of the saints of years gone by, and they testify to your faithfulness. And so, Lord, though we do not see you, though we find you by faith, Lord, we trust you with our very lives, with our very eternity. We thank you, Lord, for Easter as is still in our memory are those um, special days as we consider your death and resurrection. And Lord, um, it just emboldens our faith knowing that we have a God who has conquered sin and death, who rose again, and who now um, sits at the right hand of, of the Father interceding for us. Lord, be with us this week. Some of us are going through difficult times this week, times of... Um, physical testing, surgeries, um, scary times. Lord, we're trusting you. Lord, continue then to bless us as we lift one other, another up in prayer. And uh, Lord, might we have a blessed week, for we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's sing together the doxology, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Let's sing together. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Grizzly Street, where you're always among friends. 
For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.